Light's a pretty amazing thing. Whenever I lit that match, it was just about impossible for you to not, not look at it, right? Something about light in the darkness just calls our attention. It draws us in. In fact, there's a lot of physiological things that happen when we're in the dark and light breaks forth. Physically, we can feel anxiety and tension and stress when we are in the dark because we feel isolated, we feel alone, we feel lost, we feel like it could all be over and physically we'll experience a release. Intellectually, we'll have this almost instinctive knowledge of, oh, I know my bearings. I could find my way out of this. Emotionally, we just calm down. We know that we long for the light from the time we are children, and we, of course, demand that night light, that door left open, something to just allow some of that light to shine forth. There's a lot that we know about light, but there's a lot that we don't know about light. We know that it acts as a particle and it acts as a wave. There's so much mystery around the light, but this much we know. The light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Of course, those are the words from the gospel of John that begin his story of the birth of Jesus Christ whenever he declared that the birth of Jesus Christ was akin to light breaking forth. And when light breaks forth, darkness can do nothing but run away. I remember the first time I got a chance to go spelunking. Anybody here know anything about spelunking? Anybody know what spelunking is, by the way? Spelunking? He's done it, you've done it, some of you, you know what it is, some of you experienced it, spelunking, caving. Some people are smart and they hate caving. They freak out when they go caving. They're like, it's dark, it's dank, it's weird, it's smelly, it's close encounters. I mean, everything about it freaks them out. And for others of us, there's something about the adventure of spelunking that just draws us in. Where I lived on the East Coast growing up during college and for much of my life, there was a lot of opportunity to go spelunking. I remember the first time I actually got to go sort of not on one of those guided tours that are all lit up and the lights shining on the stalactites and the stalagmites. No, this was like for real, crawling down through the dirt into a hole, going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, spelunking. I was loving it. We were having a blast. But the guy who took us, he was my campus minister at the time, we had this moment in this ex spelunking experience where he said, I'm going to collect all of your lights. Well, immediately there are people who are like, I will have nothing to do with this. They were, again, were the smart ones. They knew without light, we would probably be as good as dead. Well, he took all of our lights and I mean, grown men were crying, women were wailing. I mean, people were just curled up in the fetal position in some corner in this cave. And then he called out, try to find me. Try to find me, try to follow my voice. It was funny how even trying to follow his voice, how hard it was to find him. If there was one of those um, kind of night vision goggle things and you could have seen us, it would have been hilarious, of course, because we're all you know, stooped over and we we're thinking we're gonna like hit our heads on things or fall into this uh, you know, ravine and tumble to our desk. But everything changed the moment that he struck a match and lit up the whole room. 
And then we realized we were in practically a whole room, a cavern almost as big as this. There was no way we could have fallen in anything or hit our heads. We had entered into this giant, giant cavern. But when he lit that match, we instinctively, all those things that I had mentioned previously, it just happened for us physically. There was relief. Intellectually, we knew we would be alive and find our way out. Emotionally, we just calmed down. The very first words ever uttered, ever uttered, let there be light. The first words recorded for us in the scripture, the first words that were ever spoken, the first words were, let there be light. Before there was a sun or a moon to reflect the light or other stars shining in the sky. Before there was the earth and the sea and the sky, the birds of the air and the the creatures of the land and the, the creatures of the sea. Before there was men and women and you and me. Before any of that, God said, let there be light because for there to be life there had to be light for there to be life there had to be light and so some 2,000 years ago God spoke again and the light came crashing into the world through amniotic fluid and a final push. Sorry to be graphic, but we know the details, don't we? The light of the world was born so that there might be life for you and for I and for all to see and to know and to experience that God is with us again. God's light is shining through the darkness. God is showing us the way home. God is shining down on us so that we might live and live forever with him. The light was breaking through the darkness and the darkness could do nothing except to run and hide for the light of life was shining forth for all of us. I'd like to take a couple minutes and just uh, share with you a couple things about the light of Jesus Christ as it shines into our lives. You see, when the light of Jesus is shining into our lives, we know that the lost can be found. When the light of life shines into our lives, more than just being found, we can grow in faith and knowledge and love and in our relationship with God. And we know that when we find the light, as we are drawn to the light, Others themselves are drawn to that growing glow of the light. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness. And the thing about the light is the light will always first and foremost reveal things. The light is always going to reveal truth, reveal reality, reveal in many cases, our lowly estate. One of the things I loved about spelunking, after all the spelunking, after all the climbing and the rolling and the dirt and all of that stuff, there's always that moment, of course, where you're getting back out of the cave. And you generally get this sort of excitement. As much as you like the caving, you know, like, oh, I, I need to get out of here to live. And so as you got out of the cave and you came into the light, at first, it would be blinding, of course. I mean, whenever you're in that completely dark cave. And by the way, the mind plays tricks on you when you're in a cave and it's complete darkness. You can like wave your hand in front of you and you think you see your hand, but it's just your brain 
playing tricks on you because there's no light in that environment for your retinas to act on anything. So your mind is playing tricks on you. You, you start to come out into the light and, and it's blinding at first, but as your eyes adjust, it's always quite comical too. At first you start to look down and you realize, I am filthy. And you look at all the people around you and like, you look horrible. I mean, people are just covered in mud, head to toe. That's the light revealing our low our lowly estate. It might be a hard thing to deal with or a hard thing to focus on, but there is the reality that first and foremost, perhaps the light of Jesus Christ, the light of Christmas, we need to invite it to shine on our lives to reveal the reality of our situation. As I've already confessed in my shopping experiences, the light of Christ reveals that far too often I want the gift rather than I want to be the giver. Far too often I'm greedier than I am generous. Far too often I want to be served rather than wanting to serve. Far too often I want to take rather than to give. Far too often the light reveals things in my life that I'm not always proud of, that I wouldn't by my own nature want to put on display for the world to see. But that's a part of the beauty of the light shining into and on our lives is once we see ourselves in our lowly estate, we realize that that light can also begin to burn its purifying work into and on our lives because the light will reveal. And when we get this, when we get what the light first and foremost reveals, we welcome it. We welcome it to shine on us. We welcome it to begin to transform us. It's not like we're just kind of putting it on display for all the world to see, but we're ready to just open our lives and say, light shine down on me, a sinner. You see, because first and foremost, the light of Christmas is going to reveal that we need more than another meal, more than another pair of ski boots, more than another bike, although I could really use another bike, more than any of all that stuff. We need a savior. I say it every Christmas and I'll say it every Christmas until they don't let me preach anymore. If we only needed amusement, God would have sent us an entertainer. If we needed more information, God would have sent us an educator. If we needed more technology, he would have sent us an engineer. But what we needed more than anything else was salvation. So God sent us a savior. That is what his name means. The angel told it to Mary. The angel reiterated it to Joseph. You shall give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. My friends, that's good news, that the light can shine on us and reveal our lowly estate, but promise us to lift us up from that and to welcome us into salvation. You see, that's the second part of what the light does. See, the light doesn't just bring us into salvation. The light begins to grow us. If we go into that cave story again, bad things grow in the dark. Fungus and mold and nastiness. And if you believe the horror stories and movies, monsters and creatures are down there. There might be some reality to it because it seems that bad things grow in the dark. But good things grow in the light, right? 
good things grow in the light. The light shines forth and a seed turns to a plant into a tree and the tree bears fruit and the fruit bears seeds and the forest begins to grow. The light shines and begins to grow. See, that's the beauty of the light. The light shows that God will receive us as we are knowing that we need a savior, but the light won't leave us as we are. The light wants to encourage and nurture that growth for us. Jesus met a bunch of men and they were fishermen at the time, but he says, I'm going to make you not fishermen, but fishers of men. He met tax collectors who were accustomed to deceiving the people. And he said, you are going to begin sharing the good news to transform the lives of the people. He would meet people stuck in darkness and he would open their eyes that were trapped in prison and he would set them free, that he would meet them in their lowliest state of brokenness and he would bring healing and wholeness into their lives. You see, the light reveals us. The light offers us the gift of salvation. The light wants to grow us in faith and grow all those fruits, all those fruits the scriptures talk about, all those fruits of the spirit, the things we talk about at Christmas, all the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't you want all of those things to grow in your life? The answer is yes, by the way. You want all of those things to grow in your life. And that is the gift that Christmas is offering to us. I will grow those fruits as you let my light shine in you. I always have talked about this one too, but a Christmas carol, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, we should be naming babies Ebenezer all the time because it's a great, great story. It's not the story of a man who's stuck in greed and despair and disconnection. It's the story of transformation. It's the story that a life can be changed to joy and love and generosity and all of that stuff. His life was transformed when those spirits spoke to him. Let the spirit speak to you. Let the light shine in you and grow those fruits in your life. So we need that light to show us our lowly estate and to offer us this gift of salvation. We want the light to keep shining into our lives so we can grow in the fruits of the spirit and the fullness of our walk with God. But the light does something else for us. The light draws people together. Whenever my campus minister lit that match, we all instinctively, like moths to a light, just flocked towards it. The light is always going to be calling people to come together. There's a story told of a European town and a great nobleman amongst the community who had a desire before he passed away to bless the town with something that could endure for ages to come. And so, as the story is told, he decided to build them a cathedral. And as the times were, it took many, many years for the cathedral to be completed. And over the years, people saw this magnificent edifice beginning to grow and grow and grow. They knew it would be grand. They knew it would be glorious. They knew it would be an amazing place to gather and to worship God. And finally, the Sunday came when the doors of the cathedral would be opened and the people would flock in. And as they did, they were in awe of all that had been built for the honor of God and for his worship. And they gathered and they looked around and they were taking it all in. But then slowly it began to dawn on them as they looked around and, they, and it was quite dark and they realized there were no chandeliers anywhere to be found. 
in the cathedral. Finally, somebody was able to muster up the courage to ask the nobleman, um, where are the lights? <laughs> and he pointed to the walls and he said, on the walls are hooks and above each hook is the name of every household that is a part of this community. And on each of those hooks hangs a lantern. And every time you come to this house to worship God, I want you to light your lamp and bring it with you. And when you do, know that the light shines greater when you are with us. But he also gave this warning. Let it also be known that any time that you are not with us, this cathedral of God will be a little bit darker. Now that's a beautiful story, but that's a heavy story, isn't it? but I feel comfortable sharing it with you this morning because I don't think this morning, I'm so used to saying morning, I'm comfortable sharing it with you this afternoon because if you are here, by the evidence that you are here, there is something in you that is being drawn to the light. Even if you don't call yourself a follower of Christ, a follower of the light, there is something in you that at least you were open enough to come and to gather here. There is something about you that's being pulled to the light. There's something about you that is being pulled to the community of light. And so I simply want to tell you that the imagery of the light in that cathedral reminds us of these two very powerful things. The first I'll share is the hard news. When your light isn't here, we are a little bit darker. When your light isn't shining in the community of Christ and the body of Christ, when your light isn't shining forth here, something is missing. There's a little less lumens here. There's a little less of your love here. There's a little less of your joy here. There's a little less of your gifts here. There's a little less of your sharing here. There's a little less of your fellowship here. We're a little less when your light isn't shining here. But of course, the flip side is when you are here, our light shines a little bit brighter. Amen, friends? When we gather here following the light and the light shines through us, oh, how the lumens begin to grow and to glow and the light of Christ shines forth from this place. And that is the light of the gospel, the good news that God has loved us so much that has sent his son to be with us, to shine the light of salvation, the light of growth, the light of the body of Christ in and through each and every one of our hearts. I'm gonna stay up here for a moment. And in that moment, we're gonna invite our readers to continue our Christmas story. And I'm gonna invite our children to come forward and to bring the symbol of light in just a moment. And I'm gonna invite our lighter. We have a lot going on here, don't we? It's wonderful. And we invite our lighter to come up and to light the, light, the Christ candle. And when we light that Christ candle, that moment before we start to sing, silent night, I'm gonna invite you to take your light. But I wanna do this. I wanna try and imitate the way we used to do this old school. Who used to go to churches where you actually lit real candles? I remember that back in the day. We don't do that anymore. There's too many risks doing that. <laughs> I, we paid too much for this carpet. I'm sorry, I don't trust any of you. <laughs> but I'm gonna take that light and symbolically I'm gonna walk it down and I'm gonna pass it to my family. 
and then they're going to turn it on and they're going to pass it around. Can we do that, friends? Can we, can we pretend? <laughs> can we be like children pretend? Because I want us to experience again receiving and passing on that light. And I want to encourage you these three things when, when this happens. Three things for us to keep in mind. First is that whenever you receive that light, I encourage you to open your life to receive the light of the gospel, the light of salvation, the light of Jesus Christ. If you've never done it before, your life could be transformed in this moment by receiving the greatest gift of Christmas, that light of his salvation. The second thing I want you to do is if you have received that gift of salvation, commit to growing and glowing that light here at Connection Church. We grow brighter and stronger. We can be that city on the hill as we commit to shine our light together. And then third, because I want you to take this as a gift, I want you to go and to know that the light of life and love through Jesus Christ can shine through your life to a world that is still trapped in so much darkness that needs this gift. Take your light with you. Shine your light bright. If you want to take more, my goodness, grab a handful and take them with you and share the light of Jesus Christ. Let me pray and then invite our readers and our lighters and our children to come forward again. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the light of Jesus Christ shining forth for us, offering us the gift of our salvation, inviting us to grow in faith, in maturity, in the fruits of your spirit, and inviting us then to share our light to a world who still needs it. We pray this in your name, Jesus, light of the world. Amen.